Welcome back to Tani Talks Radio, the sheer where we talk a topic for the week for the audience and members to keep. Thank you for joining us. If you ever have questions, comments, or suggestions, you could always email me anytime at maximumtee7 at gmail.com. M-A-X-I-M-U-M-T-E-E-7 at gmail.com. This year is always available after the fact on all podcast forums, including Gidpod, the premier Jewish app for Jewish podcasts, where you can make a podcast at jewishpodcast.fm. I'm happy to help you as well. And you can listen to the podcast on the app, the Yidpod app on Google Play or Apple App Store. You could also listen to our podcast at any time, especially Tani Talks Radio on the Google Podcasts or Apple Podcasts iTunes podcast. You can listen on Spotify as well. You could listen on Stitcher and Podbean, of course, Yidpod, as well to hear all of my shiurim, including Tani Talks Radio, including Tani Talks Parsha, around 10 minutes or so on the Parsha of the week. Tani Talks Daf, which is now about a minute, the Daf minute a day, including the weekend episode where we do ahead. And then, of course, the OTP, which is about to finish for this season, season six. We're going to take our summer hiatus around a minute or so. It used to be longer. And God willing, we'll come back in the TTPA, the Tani Talks Pirkei Avos, which will come back, God willing, after the summer. And, of course, the different shows you could listen to, the five different ones at any time. Here on Tani Talks Radio, we try to talk about one topic and talk about it that hopefully we could bring practical messages, practical lessons, and practical advice to your life in around 45 minutes or so with different ideas and sources and oftentimes stories or the like. The question is, what is the real idea of friendship? We know the song, the common famous song, Havdel from Toy Story, You've Got a Friend in Me. You've got a friend in me. I'm not singing it exactly right, but I thought about the idea, you've got a friend in me. you got a friend in me. What does it mean to really have a friend? What does it mean to actually have a friend in your life? What does true friendship stand like stand for? And what is the definition and what's a good example of a true friend? I like to think about friendship. It's someone that you not necessarily know for your entire life, but it's someone you could really talk to, you could bear your soul to, and you could really talk things out with. Of course, I find my number one friend in my entire life, my best friend is, of course, my wife, my spouse, my Asia Konegdo, who I'm blessed to have met over 10 years ago. This year was our 10-year anniversary. We should have many, many, many more years from 2023 and beyond. I may have Esther Shana. But aside from that, which is a whole nother talk about the idea of a zivug and a beshert and a shidduch and a best friend in that aspect, which is the best, best relationship in life. After that, when you talk about a friend, especially a friend of your own gender, me being a male, what would be a male, a best friend to be like? What would that be? So the question really becomes, think about in your life, who is your best friend? And I put quotes around best. Who is your best friend? Why is this so? What does the term friend really mean, really stand for? Who is your best friend in life? We talk about best friends. We talk about who this is. What does that term really mean, the friend? What's the the idea, the essence of the idea of friendship? The dictionary defines friendship as the emotions or conduct of being friends or the state of being friends. But what really does it mean to be a friend? What does it really mean 
to spell out what true good friendship means. What does a true good friend encompass? A friend is defined by the dictionary as a person whom one knows and with whom one has a bond of mutual affection, usually to the exclusion of family. Think about what friendship really means to you. Who you who are you a true friend to and who is a true friend to you and what does that mean? The true friend shows up to your house without you even asking, knowing exactly what you need. The friend is always helping you, but especially comes when life is difficult, with just the right food or words or lack thereof purposely especially if dealing with loss, tragedy, difficulty, or obstacles in your life, but also in wonderful times, the havdil of joy, celebration, and happiness, really feeling true elation for you. I remember hearing the quote when I was growing up. I don't know where it comes from or what it's attributed to, so I can't give credit where credit is due, but the quote is that a true friend is the one you can go months without talking to, and you when you reconnect nothing has changed or a true friend it's like you haven't talked to him in a long time and when you talk to them it's as if no time has passed you could pick up where you last left off i find this quote to be very true sometimes i pick up and connect with people on the phone or messages as if nothing has changed even after not talking to the really good friend for months or even years and that's an indication to me that i know they are a true and good friend Excuse me. Woodrow Wilson is noted to have said friendship is the only cement that will ever hold the world together. The world as a whole is lacking in good friends. People in general are lacking in them. Maybe if the world had better friends, countries had better friendships, and those dealing with terrible circumstances, Lahavdil, which never know from such things, could find some real good friends. Maybe in those cases, the circumstances in the world over could be a much better and much more loving place. Some of the greatest quotes about friendship actually come from Winnie the Pooh, Lahavdil, such as, Good friends will help you until you're unstuck. And a day without a friend is like a pot without a single drop of honey left inside. Also, a friend is someone who helps you up when you're down, and if they can't, they lay down beside you and listen. Christopher Robin Lahavdil said, That's what friends are for. They help you to be more of who you are. Real friends are the true anchors beside you who stay with you no matter what, through thick and thin. And if we should be zolcha to find such friends in our spouses and families, and well, how much more so, I tell you, I myself, Baruch Hashem, am blessed to have the best friend in life in my wife. But aside from that, even though that's the most special, wonderful thing, and everybody should be zolcha to that soon, we should find a friend aside from the marriage relationship that you could talk to just stam. There is the story of a half a friend which is quoted from simple words by Rabbi Adin Steinzoltz found on the jewishmiracle.wordpress.com. Listen to this, this story, fascinating. It is a story that deals with the nature of friendship. In this story, a father complains that his son spends too much money and time on his friends. The father inquires of the son how many friends he has, and the son estimates them to be about 100. The amazed father replies, I've lived much longer than you, and in my entire life I've accumulated only one and a half friends. They devise a plan to test the friends 
whereby the son goes to one of his friends at midnight, carrying a loaded sack, saying that he has just killed the crown prince in a duel, and asking for help in burying the body and a place to hide. One friend after another throws him out immediately upon hearing the story, and none of them is willing to risk giving him help. The son returns to the father and says, I understand now what you said about my friends, but are yours better? The father then sends him first to his half-friend. The son knocks on the door at midnight, and upon hearing the story, the half-friend says, You behave very badly, but you are my friend's son, so come in. I will bury the body and hide you as best I can. Although the quote ends here, I believe the story continues as follows. The son goes back to the father and asks him why this person is called half a friend. If he helped him with the body, why is he half a friend? The father asked what the man said and the son told him. The father replied that he only helped him as you are my friend's son. He only did it because he was his son. If he was a real friend, he would have done it without having to mention he was the friend's son just because of the fact that the man was friends with the father without ulterior motive or speaking telling the son. A real friend would help, no questions asked, no strings attached without asking or mentioning anything, not just because he happened to be the son of my friend. From the Times of Israel points out that Ben Sirach in his extra-biblical book Apocrypha in Kohelas 6.5, not to be confused with the biblical, oh, with Ecclesiasticus, 6.5, excuse me, try saying that ten times fast, not to be combined or confused with the actual Kohelis itself. He wrote, He who finds a faithful friend finds a treasure. This is the type of friend we need to find and hold on to and make sure to keep with us throughout our life. The popular song by Uncle Maishi, originally written by a French author, Albert Camus, Minus the Hashem part. And saying in Ensuswein Yachad goes, Don't walk in front of me, I may not follow. Don't walk behind me, I may not lead. Just walk beside me and be my friend. Together we will walk in the way, uh, ways of Hashem. The real friend, a true friend, walks arm in arm, side by side, marching together, battling whatever comes their way in life. JewishAction.com and the OU Magazine brings to light a well-known Jewish legend about the meaning of brotherhood that should be applied to friendship. The legend goes, the story relates that long before the Beis Hamidosh was built, two brothers lived and farmed on that site. One was married and had a large family while the other was single. They lived in close proximity to each other and each one worked his land growing wheat. When harvest time arrived, each was blessed with a bountiful crop and piled up his grain for long-term storage. The unmarried brother, observing his good fortune, thought to himself that God had blessed him with more than he needed. Whereas his brother, who was blessed with a large family, could surely use more, he arose in the middle of the night and secretly took from his grain and put it in his brother's pile. Similarly, the married brother thought to himself that he was fortunate to have children who will care for him in his old age, while his brother will depend on what he saved. He too arose in the middle of the night and quietly transferred grain from his pile to his brothers. In the morning, each pondered why there was no noticeable decrease in his own pile, and so they repeated the transfer the next night. 
These nocturnal activity, activities went on for several nights until one night the brothers bumped into each other in the middle of the night. In that instant, in the dark of night, the glow of brotherly love lit up the mountain sky. They each understood what the other had been doing and fell into each other's arms in a loving embrace. According to the legend, when God saw that display of brotherly love, he selected the site for his temple, for his base Hamikdash. In other versions, it was the Jews who, based on the story, chose the site for building a house for Hashem. If we each utilize friendship as the legendary characters did for one another, we would all have such beautiful love and harmony in all of our lives. How beautiful that would be if we could try to just think of other people, other friends, and a fraction of the manner that these two brothers thought about each other in this aspect, in this life. We need to think about each other as well in such a way, in such an aspect, in such a life that we can make the whole world better in such a way. JewishAction.com further explains that the main passage of this quote-unquote medrash, this quote-unquote idea, is one of brotherly love and ahavaschinam. Ahavaschinam. The Pasuk in Tehillim tells us in 133, So we know the song tells us, how good and pleasant it is for brothers to dwell together in unity. I could tell you when I see my sons playing together, and you might hear them in the background, I apologize, usually they go to sleep much earlier, but for some reason they're jumping around and, and making hooligans and playing some random crazy story. Couldn't get them to be quiet, sorry about that, if you hear that. But at least they're pleasant and wonderful and happy with each other. They share a room. God willing, the girlies, the little girlies will share a room too. It is pleasant and wonderful to see my own sons, our own sons dwelling. So how much more so when Hashem sees his sons, see his daughter, see his kids dwelling together in unity. If all of us would just get along in beautiful brotherhood and beautiful sisterhood and beautiful friendship, it would be a wonderful, wonderful thing and the whole world would be better. We can rebuild the base of Mikdash if we get Ahavat Chinam back because we know one of the base of Mikdash is we're destroyed, one of the Batei Mikdashim were destroyed because of Sinav Chinam. So if we can find Ahavas Chinam, we could rebuild it. In every generation that there's still Sinav Chinam, it's still destroyed, and we know that in every generation we didn't fix it, that it was destroyed again. It was destroyed because of Sinav Chinam. We still have that problem. So if we could have Ahavas Chinam, we could rebuild it. So we know how appropriate it would be to have the side of the temple that has the wonderfulness of Ahavas Chinam. If we could have that brotherly love, we could rebuild it. The notion that it will be rebuilt will be if we have that Ahavas Chinam, that wonderful love and respect and compassion for one another, deeply rooted in Jewish tradition. The Gemara Shavuos 39a talks about the idea of a chalavir shabatora mikola olam lova ksiva kashula ishbe achiv ishbe avonachim melamisha kol yisrael arevim zelazam. The Gemara asks with regard to all the transgressions in the Torah, is punishment not exacted from the entire world? Isn't it written, and they shall stumble one upon another from Vayikra? The Pasuk is homiletically interpreted to mean that they shall stumble spiritually, one due to the iniquity of another, which teaches that the entire Jewish people are considered guarantors for one another. Call Yisrael Aravim Zelazam. We are all responsible for one another. We are all culpable for one another. We are all held to task for one another. Apparently, any transgression makes the entire world liable to be punished. 
to be punished. If we look at our fellow Jews, if we look especially in those who we have true friendship, and our friends as our brothers and sisters with the proper friendship ideals, we can truly make the world ready for the third base of Migdash that should be coming in our days, speedily in our days. May that day happen today. We should do what we can to be real friends to others, actually emphasizing how to help others, especially our friends. If we did so, the whole world would be a better place. I want to also think about the idea of different sources in Tanakh and different sources throughout our wonderful Judaic lore, how we could find out what it really means to be a good friend. Mishle points out, He who keeps company with the wise becomes wise, but he who consorts with dullards comes to grief. Find good friends to have, and it will rub off on you. They say a lot of times when people are dating, you can measure a true man, you can really find the measure of a person by looking at his friends. And my wife likes to say, Baruch Hashem, over the years. You look at my friends, I have good friends, good people, good guys. Tani has good guys, he had good friends. That's how I know he was a good guy many years ago, my wife said. Hopefully it still stays true in many, many years I may have asked from Shana. Look at who a person keeps company with to see what a kind of a person he is. Mishli also points out a pauper is despised even by his peers, but a rich man has many friends. He who despises his fellow is wrong. He who shows pity for the lowly is happy. Elsewhere, Mishli, better a meal of vegetables where there is love than a fattened ox where there is hate. A hot-tempered man provokes a quarrel. A patient man calms strife. Find friends who have good midos, good attributes, good qualities that could calm you down if you ever get agitated, frustrated, angry, or upset. Elsewhere in Mishle, a friend is devoted at all times. A brother is born to share adversity. How wonderful quotes to find. Actually, one of my friends who I know since I'm a little, little, little Tino, since I'm a little, little toddler, says, We're not friends, we're brothers, brothers from another mother. A brother is born to share adversity. Mishle also points out, He who finds a wife has found happiness and has won the favor of the Lord, the favor of Hashem. Especially when you could count your wife as your best, best friend, your spouse, your husband as your best, best friend. That is the ideal, that is the goal. Hashem wants it to be that you have two sides of a soul. If it's not like like that then we have a problem if it's not like that we need to figure it out we need to talk maybe you should take our, take the shalom bias task force the shalom bias basket my wife has this great idea for different ideas for people to spend more time with another one another just the other night we used this uh, machine we got a couple of years ago the stars machine where the room looked like it's under the stars i took up my guitar and we just had like a little kumzitz my wife and i once the kids were sleeping i didn't play too loud don't worry baruch hashem i now have one of the best guitars in the world thanks to the saving up of my mom over the years and it was a beautiful thing, and it felt like I was uh, outside under the stars. Simple way to spend time singing together and just enjoying company. Oftentimes, we'll watch TV shows with one another. Currently, we watch Master Chef here in 2023. You know, there are other shows people watch AGT or whatnot. Different shows, different ideas, different aspects. Some people like to watch mysteries. Some people like watch comedies or dramas. And then on Shabbos and Yom Tov, read books next to each other. But the focus is to spend time with one another after the kids are in bed. And you should be zochah that they have a normal bedtime and after the day's work is done who do you first run to what is the first thing you run to don't say you're your guy and you go bowling don't say your guy you're gonna go to the movies don't say your girl's night out 
first one you should run to when everyone is set and done is your spouse. And the first thing you should do is not discuss bills, not discuss the hundred things you have to do every day, but is to spend time. Spend time talking to one another, read something together, read something to one another, share funny email snippets from the day, or watch a show together, which we often do. There's always a hundred things to do every day, but we try, we try, we try every day to spend time because true friendship takes the ability to devote time. True friendship takes the ability to actually sit and spend time together. Don't watch your own horror flicks or mystery flicks or comedy flicks till 2, 3, 4 in the morning by yourself. You could easily spend time, better time, much better spend, much better return on investment. When you sit and you watch together, you sit and you spend time together. There's always time elsewhere to watch yourself and to procrastinate yourself. Once everyone's sleeping, that's my time for my own show. If I like a cop show or a mystery show that's too scary for my wife, I'm not going to watch that with her. I'll watch it once everyone's sleeping and I'm waiting for the laundry to get done or whatever. You can find time, but real friendship, real friendship takes the ability to invest in yourself and invest in the other person. When do I catch up with my friends? When I am not taking care of things around the house. I'm not taking care of my kids. I'm not spending time with my wife. I'll call my friend when I'm on the way home, the train home. I have a good 30 minutes or I have a good 10 minutes, a good 15 minutes. I'll shoot a text, a message, checking in, seeing how they're doing. Or very, very late at night if my friend wants to check in. That's okay. Everybody's sleeping and everybody is already doing their own thing but finding that friend finding the friendship within your spouse it takes the investment i don't want to say it takes work because it's a beautiful type of an avoda when you invest in your spouse which is really your other half of your whole of yourself your neshama you didn't come together till you found your spouse hashem split you apart for years and then brought you together under the chuppah so really when you invest in your spouse you're investing in yourself who doesn't like to be a little selfish? So when you invest in your spouse, you're really investing in yourself. It's a selfish endeavor for a wonderful thing. You find the happiness, happy wife, happy life. There are companions, Mishle points out, to keep one company, there is a friend more devoted than a brother. Mishle also points out, many court the favor of a grand man and all are of a great man, and are all of the friends are a dispenser of gifts. All the brothers of a poor man despise him. How much more is he shunned by his friends? He who pursues words, they are of no avail. The true friend is then the one who you love and loves you as a close brother. The spouse who loves you as a second part of themselves, the other part of themselves, always by your side, ready to help and be by your side whenever needed. This is what we need to find. Mishle is the number one source to find amazing sayings. We have many, many sayings on this episode from them, from Mishle, from Shmuel who wrote it. Oil and incense gladden the heart. And the sweetness of a friend is better than one own, one's own counsel. Do not desert your friend, Mishle points out, and your father's friend. Do not enter your brother's house in your time of misfortune. A close neighbor is better than a distant brother. Mishle also points out, an, uh, as iron sharpens iron, so a man sharpens the wit of his friend. As face answers to face in water, so does one man's heart to another. Baratius Rabba points out, Rabbi Chama Bar Hanina, <coughs> excuse me, open with a verse. Iron sharpens iron, as we talked about from Mishle itself. Rabbi Chama Bar Hanina said, A knife will only become sharpened only at the sight of another. So to a Torah scholar can only become sharpened by a friend. Iron sharpens iron, and a person sharpens the face of his neighbor. This is referring to Yaakov. When our father Yaakov stood together with his friend, the Shekhinah attached itself to him. 
Gemar Tanis points out that there are other expositions that deal with the Torah study. Rabbi Chama, son of Rabbi Chanina, said, What is the meaning of that which is written, Iron sharpens iron, so a man sharpens the countenance of his friend? From Mishlei, this verse comes to tell you that just as with these iron implements, excuse me, one sharpens the other when they are rubbed against each other, so too when Torah scholars study together, they sharpen one another in halacha. A true friend, a true friend, challenges you but sticks close to you, guides you but propels you forward. Mishle also points out a face, answers a face in water, so does one man's heart to another. Mishle points out the face, answers to face in water, so does one man's heart to another. Zechariah points out deal loyally and compassionately with one another. Speak the truth, Zechariah points out, to one another. Render true and perfect justice in your gates. Do not contrive evil against one another and do not love perjury. Avosturban and Nelson points out if you have friends, some of whom you challenge you and some of whom praise you, love the ones who challenge you and hate the ones who praise you. Because the ones that only praise you, we're missing something. We need them to challenge us. We need them to point out to us what's missing, what's difficult in life, what you have to work on. You need the ones that will push you a little bit. A little bit of criticism is good. Not criticism every five minutes, every time you call, telling me this is wrong, that's wrong, this is wrong, that's wrong. That's not good. That's not real love. That's just knocking me down, degrading me, disgracing me. That's not what I hear when I call you. It's not what I want to hear. It's not what I want to be told to me every single time you message me or call me or visit me or I visit you. That's not what I want. Sometimes to guide me is great, but every single time to knock me down is not what is a good formula in any aspect. Love the ones who challenge you, yes. Hate the ones who praise you, maybe, but it can't be degrading and knocking down every single time. It's easy to flatter a friend, but the true worth is when you help them move upward. Bayekra talks about the main essence of the flavor, which is the main aspect of the whole Torah. Hillel talks about to the person that wants to convert. The entire Torah is based on the idea of this Pasuk. You need to love your fellow as you love yourself, or really love your fellow even more than you love yourself. Do not do unto others what you would not done one to you. What you would not want done to you is the golden rule. That's the whole Torah. The rest is commentary. Go and learn. Hillel taught. This is the incident we're talking about from Shabbos 31a. Hillel talks about that there was a Gentile who came before Shammai first and said to Shammai, Convert me on condition that you will teach me the entire Torah while I am standing on one foot. Shammai pushed him away with the builder's cubit in his hand. Common measuring stick that Shammai used. He was a builder by trade. Not for now, but I don't think that's the best way of going about. Don't smack your students, obviously. The same Gentile, the same Nanju, came before Hillel. He converted him and said to him, That which is hateful to you, do not do to another. That is the entire Torah, and the rest is its interpretation. Go study. The whole basis of the Torah is to love another like yourself. If we love all those around us like dear friends... The whole world would change. Pirkei Avos, my favorite sefer of all time. 
We just finished safe, uh, season six a couple of weeks ago. We are going to move on to season seven, which I call the family edition, the living lessons edition of very, very cool safer. I just found, just got, very excited to use it next season. It brings lots of cool things and makes it much more applicable for the family at large, especially kids. So tune in then when we come back at Willing in the fall of 2023. But here we go, one of the great Mishnahs in Pirkei Avos. All the Mishnahs are amazing, but here is another great one. Yoshua ben Prachia. Venitai ha'arbeili kiblu mehem. Yoshua ben Prachia omer, asei lecha rav. Ukenei lecha chaver, vehevi dan et kol ha'adam lekafs chus. Notice how it says, et kol ha'adam. We talk about this on the show, this year itself, many times. Don't just judge the person, but try to judge the whole person. Only the dan lekafs chus. The only type of good judging that there is out there, the only type of judging that should be done out there, is Don the Kavzchos. We have an entire shear devoted to that. You don't know the other side of the story, but Yoshua ben Prachanitai Arbali receives the tradition from them. Yoshua ben Prachanitai used to say, appoint for yourself a teacher, acquire for yourself a friend, and judge all men, judge all people with the scale weight in the favor. The idea is, if you look at the verbiage, you look at the word, it says, You should acquire for yourself, you should get for yourself a friend in any aspect possible, in any way possible. Even if you have to pay for them, even if you have to acquire them with money, you need a friend in your life. But a rabbi who is your mentor, who is your role model, that has to be assay. That you have to make for yourself. That has to be hard work. It can't just be you pay it off. You can't pay off a rabbi. You're never going to have the truth from the rabbi. You appoint for yourself a teacher, but you acquire for yourself a friend. Avostorian and Nelson points out in 8.3, Acquire for yourself a friend. How so? This teaches that a person should acquire a friend for himself, who will eat with him, who will drink with him, who will study scripture and Mishnah with him, who will make sure to tell him that things that will help him engage in Torah and to help him to make sure to do things that are the right things and to avoid things that are the wrong things, the friend that will correct him and guide him in life. How wonderful this would be to have in our spouse itself. That is the key. That is the ultimate. That is the penultimate in our life. And outside of that, of course, we should have friends for guidance and friends to talk to and reach out to, to have true friendship in your life. Rambam and Perkelos talks about making yourself a mentor. Acquire for yourself a friend. The expression of acquisition. He didn't say make yourself a friend or befriend others. The intention is that a person must acquire a friend for himself so that all of his deeds and all of his matters be refined through him. You need to have a friend you need to have a friend in your life. A friend for virtue is when the desire of both of them and their intention is for one thing, and that is the good. And each one wants to be helped by his friend in reaching this good for both of them together. This is the friend which he commanded to acquire. It is like the love of the master for the student and the student for the master. We should make sure to have and be the right kind of friend, one for virtue to bring out the good in one another. Also, we have to understand that we can't just be selfish for ourselves unless you're being the good selfish where you're working in your marriage relationship with your spouse when you're investing in her or him, which really means you're investing in yourself and your unit. We know the Mishnah says in 114, Hu Hayo Omer Hillel used to say it is not a coincidence, the same one that talked about here after is the same one talks about this famous phrase. In Ain Anili Mili Ukish Anila Atsmi Ma'ani the Imlo Achshav he used to say, if I am not for myself, who is for me? But if I am for my own self, what am I? And if not now, when? 
The purpose of this life is, yes, to work on our midas, to work on our traits, to be a better person, a stronger person, a more wonderful person. But I am not only here for myself. What am I going to do to help others? What am I going to do to help the world? What am I going to do to make the world a better place? And if I don't do it now, carpe diem, seize the day, don't procrastinate, don't lose a day. When am I going to do it? Today is the first day of the beginning of your journey is a famous, famous phrase out there. We need to do what we can to have that first step to do what we can to make the world a better place, to make the world a wonderful place, to make the world more light and more bright in so many aspects, in so many abilities, in so many ways. Do what we can to be that person who is going today to work on ourselves and others and make the world a better self. A better place, excuse me. Pergelis points out elsewhere in two nine, Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai, one of the greatest Talmi, one of the greatest sages of all time, who single-handedly basically saved Torah by making sure that it was transferred to Yavne when the entire infrastructure of the Jewish people is going to be destroyed. And he saw the writing on the wall. He pretended his own death, a fascinating Gemara in its own right. And he asked for three things to save Yavne with its sages to get. Rabbi Gamliel's family saved because it was the, the, the branch of the royalty and to get a doctor for someone who was really, really starving for, for fasting for days and days and days. But he asks his students, what is the best path to go on? One says a good eye, one says a good companion, one says a good neighbor, but Rabbi Elazar says a good heart. And of course, his answer is the one that's accepted by Rabbi Yochanan because he says in your words, everything else is included. Obviously, the evil path to avoid is an evil heart. Same answer. Because in your words, in his words, is all the other words. So we want to make sure to avoid the evil heart, the evil eye. We want to make sure to have a good heart, a good heart. A person who has a good heart is one of the best traits in uh, in world to have, in life to have. A good heart, a generous heart, a giving nature. Someone who looks out for others, who does for others. This is a trait that is very hard to have and I've been working on myself my entire life to try to have such a trait, to try to have such an aspect of life, to try to do for others what I can. We have to work on ourselves in life to try to have this aspect, to try to have this good heart. Being a good heart means you'll be a good friend. Having a good heart means you'll do for others and look out for others. You could be a good husband, you could be a good dad, you could be a good wife, you could be a good mom, you could be a good friend to those around you. Elvis Ravadim Nelson also points out to us that not only should your honor, your friend be as dear to you as your own, we learn from Pickery Elvis as well, but your friend's honor should be as dear to you as your own. How so? That teaches us that one should regard his friend's honor just as he regards his own honor. Just as no one wants to have a bad reputation, so too one should not want anyone to tarnish his friend's reputation. We know that the idea is we need, we need to do what we can to have that good heart in the world. Make sure that the property of your fellow should be as precious to you as your own. We learn from Pickery Elvis as well. Don't underestimate the value of timing as well when you're dealing with your friend. Pirkei Elvis points out in 418, excuse me, Don't appease your friend when he's angry. Don't try to comfort him when the dead is right before him. Don't question when he makes a vow. No one should ever make a vow. Blinetta. We should never do such things. Nor should we see a person in his hour of disgrace. You cannot underestimate the value of timing. You cannot underestimate the value of placement of your role. Don't try to say, 
it's okay, it's okay, you'll feel better in a few days. That's not what people want to hear when they just lost someone. Lo Elena, God forbid. That's the worst kind of thing you say. Really, you shouldn't even say anything. When you walk to a shiva house, you should never know from shiva houses. You're supposed to show up and just be quiet. When they want to talk to you, they'll look at you, they'll talk to you, and they'll know. Don't start off talking narishkeit or, or babushkas or baba mices. That doesn't help anyone. We need to know that we are able to do what we can in this world. One of the best midos to have, Perik Elvis teaches us in Perik Hey, Arba midos ba'adam sheli shelcha veshelcha shelcha chasid. What a great aspect, a generous aspect. What's mine is yours, and what's yours is yours. That's a chasid. That's a generous person. And the best type of relationship to have, the best example to have, I mentioned at the beginning and also in the advertisement flyer, little blurb that I send out to the WhatsApp groups and whatnot. What is the prime example of true friendship? I think you probably know this already. David and Yehonasan. Pirkei Avos 5.16. Kol ahava shehi taluya bedavar. Batel davar betela ahava. Terrible case, terrible example. Actually, David's own children. We should never know from such things. Really, really terrible. All love that depends on something. When that thing ceases, the love ceases. Conditional love. If you do this for me, I'll love you. You do this for that, I'll like you. You don't show up, you haven't visited me, you haven't talked to me in a couple of weeks, a couple of months, the love is gone. That is not real love. Unconditional love is never based on anything and never goes away. A true love of a parent for a child is unconditional love. Even if you haven't talked to them or saw them in 10 years, doesn't matter. Unconditional. You only like the person because they have money, you only love the person because they have money. That's not real, that's not love. You only love your wife before she had 15 kids. You only love your wife before she became the hotshot of the school. That's not real love. That's conditional. You love your wife from day one till day 120 years and beyond. Unconditional. Whether there's money or not. Whether there's this or not. Whether there's that or that. Doesn't matter. Unconditional. Always there. Never changing. Never faltering. You only love her when she's healthy. What kind of love is that? You only love her when she's top of the game. Or, or top of this, top of the you only like him when he looks good, you only like him when he has a haircut, what kind of nonsense? That's not real love. Unconditional love is always there. The best example, interestingly, of Ahava that Perkevus brings is the love of David and Yehonas. And where does this story come from? Where do we see this? Obviously, it's a very famous story. It comes from Shmuel Aleph. My wife is an expert teacher of Judaic studies, Judaic topics. She taught Navi and Chumash for many years, and she has the Zachos to teach Shmuel Aleph. She herself could tell you this much better. But we're looking here at Shmuel Aleph, the amazing example of David and Yehonasan. They have this beautiful relationship where they're best of friends, even though, as Rabbi Arzgul points out in the notes time and time again, especially in the Haftar of Machar Chodesh, when Yehonasan saves David's life from his own dad, Shaul, who has this crazy spirit of melancholia, depression, that he's very mad at David, always wants to kill him. Very crazy. David is saved by Yehonasan. There's no more natural rivals, Arzgul explains in the notes, than David and Yehonasan. Yehonasan was the crown prince, beloved by all. Natural successor to his dad. He would have been a, a wonderful gem, a wonderful mark of pride for the nation. But Yehonasan knew 
that David was next in line. David, this interloper, this seventh child or eighth child of Yishai, barely seen, he was grazing in the field. Shmuel has to find him last. Some people doubted his lineage because he came all the way from Rus, even though Mo, uh, Moabite women were allowed, but men were not, but not many people knew that halacha back in the day. No one would, would have been upset if Yohanneson took the place of Shaul after the fact, but Yohanneson knew the facts and loved David more than he loved himself. He saved his life. They literally go out to the field. They bring an arm bearer with them. Yohanneson tells David, you know, I know my dad is furious at you because you missed your seat twice at the Rosh Chodesh convention meal. Yohanneson was on one side, David was on the other side. David was married to Shaul's daughter, which is also crazy, I think two daughters even. And uh, David was a harp player for Shaul because he had like this melancholia craziness that only the harp would lift. Even Shaul knew at times that he was being crazy. Yohanneson sticks up for David because Shaul says, where was he the first day? I don't know. Second day, I don't know where he is. Yohanneson, where is your friend David? Where is David really? He doesn't even say where's David. Here's where is son of Yishai. And Yohanneson says, David asked for permission to leave, to go, and, and he says, son of a rebellious woman, don't you know that, I, that you, I know you want your friend more than me? And he gets furious. He throws the spear at Yohanneson, his beloved crown prince child himself, almost kills his own son in his anger over David. Yohanneson then knew it's never safe for David, period. David and Shaul have this kind of a, a cat and mouse kind of a game where they keep like... You know, chasing after each other. David could have killed Shaul one time, but he didn't. He cut off the cloak, and then the cloak doesn't work for him. The end of the years when he gets very cold, all the way in at Malachim Aleph. And then, you know, Shaul keeps chasing him, and David says, I don't have any war with you. And Shaul says, I know, you're right. I just, I can't help it, whatever. But David and Yonson had this beautiful, beautiful, beautiful relationship where they loved each other with this supreme friendship. It's such a moving, beautiful story, and it's such a tragic end when Shaul and Yonason die before the Plishim could get to them at the end of their lives, and David is so broken. You know, you read the eulogy. I haven't looked at it in a very long time, but you read the eulogy that David writes for his father-in-law, for the crown prince, for the crown king, Shaul, even though Shaul wanted to kill him many, many times. David speaks so eloquently and beautifully. He's the composer of Psalms, of Talim. Obviously, he's very, very, very well said and well written and well spoken. And of course, for Yohannesson, his best, best friend. It must have been excruciating for David to lose that friend and to lose Shaul too in such a drastic, drastic way. But this was the crown example of the prototype of friendship. David also learns one item, one thing from Ahitophel, who was not a great person, who defected to the other side when Avshalom basically tries to usurp the kingdom from David. You want an example of a difficult life? Read through Shmuel Aleph and Shmuel Bet, ending with Malachim Aleph. You see what difficulties David had to go through. He wasn't even accepted at first. You know, his son Avshalom tries to take the throne away from him. His his children Amnon and Tamar have an entire episode. One kill, one uh, another one comes and kills the other the other kid. And uh, David at the end of his life, another son tries to take the throne away from him. Adoniyahum, really crazy. His whole life, you know, people mocked him and ridiculed him. Shemir Begir tried to curse him. Really, really, really difficult life. He also lost a child, David. He had the whole Batsheva episode. Really, really crazy stuff in his life. But there's no greater 
person and example of tshuva than David himself. It's fascinating. Fascinating stuff. You could read over the whole story. But we learn from David that anyone that gives any honor to you, any idea of any concept of anything that they teach you, even a letter, even a sentence, you have to give them honor because Achitofel taught two, dov- two things to David, that you shouldn't use a shortcut through a shul and you, sh- and you should always have a harusa, two simple things or something like that. And Achitofel was called by David, even though he defected and he was really traitorous to David, he still calls him my mentor, my 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 rabbi, my not rabbi, but my mentor, and things like that. Fascinating. In general, in life, we need to understand that we need to have true friendship. We need to have the prop the proper aspect and the proper way to find what is a friend. A true friend is the one that is where is that is the person that is with you, that is constantly by your side, that is constantly in your life. Baba Metziah points out Rabbi Shimon ben Lakish was Rabbi Yochanan's partner in Torah, was his chavrus. Rabbi Yochanan, we should never know from such things at any level. Rabbi Yochanan lost ten children. He would carry on the tooth of his tenth child, saying, look what happened to me. And he kept his mind somehow. But when he lost his chavrusa, when he lost Rabbi Shimon ben Lakish, he literally went off the deep end. The Gemara says, Rabbi Shimon ben Lakish ultimately died. Rabbi Yochanan was sorely pained over losing him. The rabbi said, who will go to calm Rabbi Yochanan's mind and comfort him over his loss? They said, Rabbi Elazar ben Padasko, as his statements are sharp. Rabbi Elazar ben Padasko sits before Rabbi Yochanan. Rabbi Yochanan, with every matter of Elazar ben Padasko, said him, there's a ruling which was taught in Bryce, sports opinion, and he says, are you comparable to the son of Rish Lakish? We would talk and we would debate and I would answer him 24 answers and then he would come with me with questions what are you talking about what are you saying is good Rabbi Yochanan went around rending his clothing weeping and saying where are you Ben Lakish where are you Ben Lakish Rabbi Yochanan ultimately screamed until his mind was taken from him and he went insane Rabbis prayed and requested from God to have mercy on his soul and Rabbi Yochanan passed away literally literally the great sage had such tragedies in life but the one thing he could not take the one thing he could not handle was the loss of his chavrusa, his best friend. We should never, ever, ever know from such things. But you see, the ultimate value of life. Choni Hamagel was asleep for 70 years, the sages talk about. The Rip Van Winkle, I believe, was stolen from us from the Talmud. 70 years, he comes back and he sees everything is different. None of his friends are around. Nothing is the same. Everything changed. And the one thing he says is... is O Chavruse, O Yamuse, something like that. Either friendship or death. He doesn't have any friends left. That's the one thing that he cannot take. The one thing that he cannot have in his life is the lack of friendship. Because having a friendship is so vastly important. It is so vastly important to have that. We need to make sure to have that friend, the proper friend in your life who you could rely on, who you could talk to, who you could be involved with in your life that they're really proper, the good friends in your life, making sure that they are part of your life, making sure that they are part of your aspect. And it has to be good kinds of a friend. It can't be like the friends that we talk about. You know, we see different examples in Tanakh. When Rechavim takes over, after Shlomo Melch dies and the kingdom is about to be taken taken apart, Rechavim asks his advisors and asks his father's wise men, what should he do? There was heavy taxes in his day, and he asked them what to do. How should I go about to try to placate the people? So the great sages, who were Shlomo's advisors, obviously were very wise to talk to the wisest of all men. 
They said, take away the taxes. You will get everyone reliant upon you. But his friends said, make the taxes worse. My father flagged you with whips, and I'll flog you with scorpions. The king did not listen to the people. He did not listen to the wise men from his father. He listened to his friends to disastrous results. You need to seek out good people as friends. You need to make sure to have the proper types of friends. Make sure to have those friends who will take you on the right way, take you on the right aspect, and to make sure that they will help you in life. The true friend is the one who you love and loves you as a close brother, always by your side, ready to help, spring to your side whenever needed. This we should find in our spouses. Top, top, top. Number one, your spouse should be your best friend. You spend time with him. You cultivate that friendship with your spouse, not infatuation, not just the beginning, giddy-giddy stage, but five years out, ten years out. Make sure 15, 20, 30, 40, 50, 60, 70, 80, 90, until 120 years and beyond. The first priority always should be the spouse. Always, 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 before you do anything else, make sure that the the spouse is cared for. Happy spouse. And you will make sure that you have good things in your house. And happy wife, happy life. Every night you should spend time with the spouse. Don't watch stuff on your own. Don't read stuff on your own. Interact and spend time with another. I guarantee you once they're sleeping, you can do whatever you want. A true friend challenges you but sticks close to you, guides you, propels you forward. It's easy to flatter a friend, but the true worth is when you help them move upward. The whole basis of the Torah is to love one another like oneself. If we love all those around us like dear friends, the whole world would change. The whole world would be better, brighter, and lighter. Make sure to have and be the right kind of a friend, one for virtue to bring out good in one another. We should want to have and be a good friend with a good heart, while being a good neighbor with a good eye and with good insight, seeking out the best for others, stand up for their honors you would for your own. True empathy for another, understanding the timing and emotions involved. Don't try to comfort him when the dead is right before him, Lahavda, which I know from such things. Understand the thoughts and surroundings for another. Have true friendship and love like David and Yohanneson, giving completely to the other, even when they could have been so much rivalry, even when it was natural for rivalry. We should make sure to honor our friends just by being there, so much more so if they taught us good ways or Torah matters after a whole lifetime. Of 70 years of sleep, the main thing that the Choni Amago saw was the loss of friendship. Friendship is the glue that binds humanity. Rabbi Yochanan could take so much in his life, but not the loss of his best friend. The great sage led a very tragic life. He could not handle that. When you pray on behalf of someone else, especially a friend, for something that you yourself need, you'll be answered first. But make sure to have true empathy for those in your life, especially friends, especially spouse. Make sure to regularly keep in touch with friends that they should be important and involved in your life, not to have Facebook type of friends. They need to be finite and real type of friends. I have a thousand friends on Facebook, but how many real friends, true friends do you have in your life? Do you have a half a friend, like the beginning story of our talk? Or do you have many true good friends who would actually help you in your time of need. The true friend is the one when you're really going through darkness, when you're really going through tough times that they're there for you and they're there for you. Not only when it's good if a friend hasn't reached out to you in many months and many years, maybe you should reach out and see why. See if the glue is still there. Make sure to have proper respect for others in their life and reap from the wisdom from their lives. Seek out good people as friends. They can influence you, purify and uplift you not toxify you and bring you down. We should be in tune with our friends and get the feeling and know when something is wrong or something happened in their lives. Use your friendships to sow harmony, peace, and goodness throughout the communities and make sure not to get together with friends, quote-unquote, just have lush and horror hour. 
Treat others, especially friends, the way you want to be treated. The golden rule. It's never too late forgiveness for friends, and it's always good to have friendships in life. So I ask you again, who is your best friend? Why is that so? What does the term friend really mean to you? What is the essence of friendship? Think about who is your true friend. Do they stand up for you, the one you could go months without talking? And are they the one that would help you even in a deep, deep time of trouble, even in a dark type of trouble? I wish you and bless you that you have at least one or two true good friends, not even one of a half of a friend. And we should all be zocha to be friends with one another. We should all be zocha to bring Ahavas Chinam to be zocha to have the building of the base of Migdash speedily in our days. And may that, in fact, be today. Join us next time, same time, same place, here on Tani Talks Radio, God willing, where we talk about a topic for the week for the audience members to keep here on Tani Talks Radio. And I'm your host, Tani.